Welcome everyone into this episode of the Economic Development Radio podcast. This particular podcast is produced by Grotmap Infonomics. My name is Togozani Twala. I'm the CEO of Grotmap Infonomics and your host today. The aim of our podcast is to assist our listeners, you know, to have access to thought leadership, business case studies, as well as action information that enhances decision making within your organization. Today, we are so privileged to be interviewing the board chairperson of the Industrial Development Corporation, otherwise known as the IDC, which is one of the biggest development finance institutions in this country and in the continent, Busisiwe Mabuza. I'll be referring to her as, you know, Busi or Sis Busi in between the interview. Uh, as we normally do in our episode, you know, we, we just normally address our guests with our first names. So, Sisbusi, welcome very, um, I mean, to this particular episode and thanks for giving us the opportunity to have a conversation with you. Chokosani, the pleasure and honor is absolutely mine. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much. And, you know, I know that you are a very busy person. In fact, you were just traveling abroad. You've got so many roles, but we'll talk more about, you know, the, your role within the IDC. But before we start with our interview, you know, uh, can you just give our listeners a sense in terms of who you are as a person, you know, where you grew up, you know, and maybe even some of your milestones in terms of this journey of being a very successful leader and a businesswoman in our country. Thank you so much, uh, Togozani. So I'm the eldest of uh, six children in my family, born of uh, two teachers um, who later became school principals at that time um, of our life. And um, I was born in Mjindini, which is near Babaton, beautiful, beautiful, small little town, which is, is remained relatively small but also very important to the economy of this country because that was a gold mining town. Okay. And there remains um, gold mining activity happening around the town as well. And I had the fortune, or I, yeah, I should call it a fortune, of moving to boarding school at a very young age uh, of 12. And I believe that that opportunity formed me in so many ways. It was a girls only boarding school in um, called Glencowie, uh, but I finished my matric at another girls only boarding school in uh, Peter Marisberg and had the opportunity then to join the University of Natal School of Engineering and Chemical Engineering where I did not finish my studies, was then moved to the University of the North, Teflop University, where I studied um, mathematics. And those studies were interrupted by the 1986 state of emergency. Fortunately, at that time, there was still a lot of support for South Africa and for young people in South Africa, and that is what landed me in the United States, where all of my degrees were done. A degree in um, mathematics and information systems, which was followed by um, master's in business administration and information systems. So that is my journey. Very interesting journey. And, and I guess, you know, coming from a family where both parents were educators, sort of laid the foundation for you. And very early in your life, you understood how education is important. And, and I think it's one message that we try and communicate, especially to young South Africans, to say as much as they might be going through difficulties, some of them, because we are not all privileged, but really we've seen that education becomes quite key in terms of preparing you, you know, for better opportunities that exist in our country, right? Will you agree with that? Without a doubt, Togozani. So at home in the four-roomed house that I grew up in, our dining room table was essentially everybody's desk. So we had to ensure that by the time my parents arrived back, we were sitting at the table with all the playing and cleaning is done. We're sitting at the table and busy with our homework. 
because the kitchen table was then reserved for the cooking. And that, I think, um, sense of dedication and commitment was therefore instilled from that very young age. And I'm truly grateful to my parents for that. Thank you so much, uh, Sis Busi. Then broadly, uh, I know you've also sat in other boards, both in the public and the private sector. Just maybe take us through, you know, um, very quickly in terms of, you know, some of the highlights uh, of your leadership and business journey. Uh, the ones that you find very, you know, significant uh, in terms of your career. So I'll leave the Industrial Development Corporation for last because that is a unique privilege uh, that I've had and that I feel South Africans have entrusted me with um, in terms of responsibility. But looking at the other opportunities, I can't discount my professional career in financial services, starting with um, asset management, moving into private equity, that laid a foundation for me, for my um, love and passion for all things business, all things economic. That led to the first opportunity to serve on a board when I did not even understand what the role of a board would be. Um, when black economic empowerment was still in its infancy and my employer uh, appointed me to sit on a board of an insurance company that they had uh, funded and supported. Okay. And that opened a completely new world for me. And that was, of course, followed by other opportunities. I totally loved being part of the minerals education and training institution, METI, which was supported by um, unions, so labor, government, and business, provide training on mining and energy policy to both legislators and people who were operating in those particular industries. Very small business had um, grant support from partners outside of the country, but opened up a completely new world for me and I believe was so important also in ensuring that policymakers are informed because those are elected officials yes. who were coming into the positions not necessarily with the requisite technical Skills. expertise. Okay. And that particular entity provided all of that and I believe that that was absolutely important. At the moment, of course, I have the privilege uh, having gone Full, full circle with um, my previous employer in asset management, the now 91 um, uh, entity asset management company with its roots in South Africa, but that has now grown and listed both on the London and um, the South African stock exchanges. And I am now um, member of the board and I chair the Social um, Sustainability Committee of that particular entity. And that has also allowed me a new opportunity to learn how things are done in, the, um, in other parts of the world and also see where we as South Africa are leading the pack, which is very exciting yeah. to also see. Great. Thank you so much. And, and, and I hope one day, you know, we'll also have an opportunity to interview you on the other roles, I know you're also the chair of the BRICS Business Council, which is a very important structure, you know, in terms of, you know, our role within that particular group of countries called the BRICS. Uh, so I'm hoping that at some point we'll have a discussion. But maybe just before we dive into the, you know, core issues, um, what do you attribute, you know, your success to as a board chairperson? And what are some of those key traits that you think an effective board chairperson needs to be having in 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 in, in you know their skill sets so that you can be effective as a board chairperson. So the individual, and let me bring it to myself. I, as an individual, would not be where I am if it wasn't for the teams that I work with. That is absolutely critical to have people around you who are competent, who are committed, who have integrity, and who 
understand how to work as a team. And I've been very fortunate in that both at executive and operational level at the IDC and at the non-executive board level, I have been surrounded with very, very high caliber of people. And to that, I have had to also bring commitment. I've had to bring um, knowledge and expertise. I've had to bring the ability to listen. And I continue to try to improve my ability to connect the dots because it is so important in driving an entity of the size and importance of the IDC to be able to connect the dots so that you keep ahead in terms of the strategic direction of the organization. And um, I hope that my colleagues would say also that I have been collegial in um, doing all of that because they've offered me the best of themselves. Thank you so much. And I really like some of your points, you know, teamwork, you know, um, that collective leadership becomes quite important because it's teams that delivers results, right? And again, you've just emphasized the point in terms of working both well with your colleagues in the board, but with management as well. And I guess even with the shareholder, because you are a publicly owned entity as well. And especially in the public sector, the state-owned entities, the ability to understand the stakeholder, understand their requirements, interpret them, and keep checking. So to be able to communicate with the stakeholders is so, so important. And I've been very lucky in my case, um, Tokozani, in that our shareholder representative is always available to the IDC. And of course, it is a demonstration of the importance of the entity in the economy of South Africa. 100%. Now, just quickly, in terms of some of our listeners who might not be very, you know, clear what the IDC does, how do you sort of like, you know, explain the core mandate of the IDC when you meet potential clients, you know, industrialists who might be looking for finance, who want to approach the IDC? You know, when when you're talking to them or in different, you know, forums, how do you define the core mandate of the IDC? Briefly, I would say our mandate is to deliver inclusive and sustainable industrialization that has an impact on the economic growth of the country in a manner that ensures job creation. Um, So those are the pillars that we focus on. We need to be inclusive in whatever we do. We need to ensure that our work is sustainable and has the requisite uh, impact on industrial development um, of our country. And how we measure that is how is the economy impacted? Are we exporting more uh, through the partners that we're supporting? Are we employing more people through the partners that we're supporting? Are we producing more? And um, it is a very, very exciting yet challenging mandate, exciting because of its importance to the trajectory of our country and our continent, with South Africa being the most industrialized country in this continent, especially in the context now of the African continental um, free trade area. The IDC has to become that important anchor of um, how we move forward. Thank you so much. And, and and I really like the points again, you know, of being inclusive so that you make it a point that you bring more people or industrialists to participate in our economy. And again, most of your projects are within the manufacturing sector, which tend to be labor intensive. So your point around job creation becomes quite important, you know, to say again, you know, as you become inclusive, we must assist government and our country in terms of creating new jobs. But also not just new jobs, probably, you know, probably also retaining existing jobs, you know, because that, that becomes quite important as well. We don't want, you know, people to be losing, um, you know, jobs. But you also put an emphasis in terms of sustainability. 
So say when you find these industrialists and these projects, you want to see them being in business long term, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, um, so that these projects are sustainable. And and then you can be able to really have the kind of impact that you know you you intend to have in the economy. So that's 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 quite useful to know. But typically, you know, um, for the IDC to consider, you know, um, a project, what is it that you normally look for? What what is a fundable project for the IDC? Because I know that you've got other sister DFIs, you know, development finance institutions. Um, like the National Empowerment Fund, you know, you've got others at national and provincial level as well. So what is it that you as the IDC tend to focus on so that you don't duplicate and compete, you know, with what is being offered by other DFIs as well? What's a fundable project for the IDC? So that's a very um, difficult space because the needs in the country are so, so vast and unfortunately growing because of the economic growth levels that we have seen, especially in the recent past. Yes. But core to our mandate, the project must have an impact on industrial, on the industrial base okay. of the country. Yeah. And we've now also expanded that to include the enablers because to go and put a manufacturing plant that will not have the required water, that will not have the required uh, logistics infrastructure, yes. for example. Yeah. And under the current challenges that South Africa is seeing, that will not have the energy Gee. to yes. actually run is would would self-defeating. Yes. So we look at industrialization now as broadly as possible. Okay. And um, therefore, we also, you'll find that we're very active now in funding um, energy infrastructure. We're very active in funding logistics Six. infrastructure, water infrastructure, as well as that industrial manufacturing base. If one can, if I can use the automotive uh, sector. sector, which yeah. is a very important sector for, for our country. Our yeah. country, because of the export revenue yes. that we're able to bring Generate. into the country, um, we have been able to fund quite a number of suppliers to the automotive sector, which is very, very exciting for us. Yeah. And we've been able to do that in a manner that is inclusive. So we have black industrialists. Yeah that are now manufacturing components mm. for the OEMs. for the OEMs of yeah. the world. Yeah. And these vehicles are not just sold on our shores. They actually are exported Spotted. to other countries. Mm. And it's our people, it's our workforce that is actually ensuring that the country is able to deliver in that regard. Of course, we have supported um, Togozani, as you would know, the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, Tisha. our line department, yes. in um, the development of numerous master plans. Yes. Now, if we look at a sector that is at the moment under quite severe strain, the poultry sector, yes. which prior to the finalization of the master plan was facing dumping challenges from other countries. countries. And we had to be in the room with all role players in ensuring that a master plan that will be beneficial to our country, to the producers in our country, was reached. And unfortunately, now we are facing the avian flu and its impact. And I am aware that our teams are in engagements with government to ensure that a resolution is found around dealing with those um, challenges. So those are just some of the examples of the sectors that we have focused on and how we've gone about that. Of course, the promoter, so the sponsor, the individuals that are driving that business are very, very important in terms of uh, our criteria. Yeah. We want people that are present. We want people that are bringing knowledge and expertise. We want people that are demonstrating the entrepreneurial hunger okay. 
to grow that business in, in a manner that, of course, will have an impact on a positive impact on our society yep. in terms of employment, but also in terms of the revenue that is um, generated by that particular business. No, thank you so much. And and again, I like that innovation now in terms of looking at the whole ecosystem. So say, yes, it's the projects in terms of funding the plant, but there are other requirements, you know, that make that particular project successful. Issues of energy, issues of logistics, you know, and utilities, as you've mentioned. I think that's that's quite brilliant, you know, and then you are bringing innovation uh, in terms of how you, you fund, you know, your clients. Uh, but I'm also aware that, you know, the IDC has quite a lot of technical capabilities within these particular sectors that you are funding as well. So you're not just only giving your clients, you know, finance, uh, but you're also assisting them from a technical, you know, uh, capability point of view so that, you know, they can grow their businesses because it's in your interest. You know, you do quite a lot of, you know, sector-based research as well. You know, which sometimes companies don't have those kind of, you know, uh, in-house skills um, because they're just trying, you know, entrepreneurs and business people, they're just trying to get their business running. And yet, you know, the whole issue of research, the whole issue of data uh, becomes quite important. So I know that you also sort of like, you know, bring that that value to your clients and the IDC has very credible officials, you know, that works with clients, uh, which is very important as well. Absolutely, with um, great technical number crunching expertise. Mm. Of course, our economic and sector research is absolutely um, fantastic. And what has been important, Togazani, of late as well, is to bring in the operational experience and expertise so that our business partners have the partnership with people who've been there, who have seen a business that is under pressure, that is under cash flow strain, and are therefore able to give them advice and guidance from a very practical Practical basis. Very important. Thank you so much. So, let's also just come back to you know, um, a broader issue where maybe you can just give us a sense in terms of your recent, you know, annual uh, company results. How's the IDC doing uh, in terms of some of your strategic investments? And maybe just, you know, highlight some key uh, achievements uh, that you and your colleagues in the board and management and the shareholder are very proud of. Uh, Especially, you know, I mean, we've just came out of COVID. We can't ignore that. The economy is really under a lot of pressure. So maybe I just share with us some of you know the key results that came out and, and, and some of your major achievements. And thank you for starting with the context because the context was quite harrowing. Yeah. Um, low economic growth that we've seen in South Africa. Of course, we have been recovering from COVID, but not at a rate that we would have liked to see and expected to see. Of course, there were, globally, there were a number of shocks that were brought about by the geopolitical tensions, which immediately went into inflationary pressures and other pressures in the global economies that immediately impacted us as the South African um, economy. We had had um tailwinds from commodity demand post immediately post the covid lockdowns that started tempering down softening a little bit yeah. and of course being commodity based economy in south africa that had an immediate impact in our context and therefore i'm very proud with the results that the management team has been able to achieve under these circumstances. Our profits uh, at a group level, just under 11 billion rands, almost double the profit levels. At the group level, of course, of significance was the fact that key subsidiaries started showing a turnaround. Most proud um, or most significant is the turnaround that we have seen at Fosco, which is our fertilizer manufacturing business. Yeah. Of course, they did have the tailwinds in that war situation in the Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia, yeah. 
made fertilizer availability um, quite an issue and therefore had uh, increased uh, the pricing. But the business interventions that had been worked on over the past two to three years were also starting to bear fruit in that um, the volumes that the business was able to achieve had improved. The interruptions from, you know, unexpected maintenance breakdowns had started showing improvements. And therefore, it was both from um, tailwinds and from interventions that management and the board have put in place. At a company level, our profit levels were over 5 billion, I think just under 6 billion. Um, in fact, more than double the levels that we saw last year. And what is pleasing there is that we've seen the levels of collections also improve. Proofs. So it means that management's interventions, it's not just the issues that are outside of management's controls, which would be the dividend stream yeah. that accounted for our profitability, but also the collection levels improved. And I think that shows a much more engaged level um, between management and our business partners. Yeah. And therefore, I am optimistic that we will see this sustaining going forward. Our approvals also improved quite significantly. And the reason the levels of our approvals are important to Ghazani is because that's the base that leads to our disbursements. Mm. So the projects that we approve will then translate, uh, hopefully, into disbursements that's, in yes. the near future. And I was absolutely delighted that um, we achieved uh, approvals of over 16 billion rands, um, it could be much more, um, which is um, very important because that translates to a higher level of money that we actually put into the economy yes. now and translates into the opportunity to put funding into the economy in the near future as well. Some of the examples, of course, we met and exceeded our targets insofar as uh, funding to black industrialists is concerned. Disappointing, though, was that we didn't meet our targets insofar as our funding to youth and women-owned businesses. And therefore, we have said to management, we need to focus on this. Of importance is that we have set targets, we watch the targets, we monitor the targets, and therefore we'll be able to correct and ensure that we meet the targets going forward. Okay. Now, that, that's quite interesting as well. And I like that project pipeline of almost 16 billion because it means that industrialists and business people are also planning to expand their operations, you know, basically. So that's augurs well for the economy. Absolutely. Because again, job creation, you know, again, you know, we are broadening the tax revenue for government because these companies at the end of the day contribute, you know, to the fiscus as well. As we know that we are currently struggling a bit, um, you know, SARS is collecting less for different reasons. Uh, but I also like, you know, I mean, uh, what you do in terms of your funding model, because you take equity as well in some of the strategic, you know, entities that plays a very important role in the economy as well. And I guess for me, that brings the developmental element, you know, of the IDC. Which takes me to the next, um, you know, uh, question. It's a difficult one, but I know you you get to be asked these ones now and then, where people say, "But how does you know development finance institutions you know differentiate themselves from commercial banks?" Right? How do you normally answer that question? Where people feel, you know, um, you know, when entrepreneurs or industrialists uh, are stressed, you know, about raising capital. And then they come to the IDC, they will say, you know what, the IDC now is operating like commercial banks. How do you normally respond to that when people criticize DFIs and say they're not developmental anymore, they, they're really operating like commercial banks? So one thing that I can't deny, Tokozani, um, is that our capital is on the expensive side. Okay. 
um, in some instances, a little more expensive than what one can find at a commercial bank. However, I would take issue with the proposition that we are just similar to commercial banks. We provide very patient capital, so, be it debt funding, be it equity, equity funding. Yeah. We remain with a very um, strong risk appetite, but that risk appetite does not mean that we must be um, negligent yes. in how we fund. Yes. So we want to fund viable projects. We want to fund sustainable projects. They must create uh, jobs. jobs. They must improve our industrial base and competitiveness. Yes. However, we do this in a manner where you find that our debt funding is much longer dated okay. than most of the commercial, commercial banks. banks. In fact, in instances, we get approached by um, promoters who have been able to close with commercial banks, but the funding is too short-term, okay. and they need to ensure that their projects are funded for much longer terms okay. than that. And we will step in and ensure that we provide that funding. And the equity that you referred to earlier is, of course, unique to us because we don't have the Basel reporting constraints mm. that the banks, banks have. would have. Yeah. So we are able to, um, at a very early stage, in fact, we have an industrial planning unit where um, we will partner with government, we will partner with promoters to understand what the industry needs, both okay. in terms of upstream and downstream, downstream opportunities that a project would unlock. Okay. It's very important to us that when a zinc mine is put up um, in the Northwest, the opportunities both upstream and downstream are harnessed in a manner that is beneficial for that uh, locality and that um, economy. We have a project preparation unit, it, yes. which is able to partner at a feasibility stage. Stash. Now tell me which commercial institution Does would that. come in at that stage of a project. The IDC is able to do that and has. we actually have quite a number of projects at the moment that are at project preparation. And then we're able to say if a project still needs equity funding and the promoter will not have the full check, then the IDC will say we'll be able to participate both at the equity level and at a debt level. And um, I believe that that stands us in a very unique state in terms of unlocking projects not in an isolated form but in a manner that ensures that there is impact across the board thank you so much i think you've answered that question very comprehensively and i hope our listeners you know will be able now to say this is how really the idc differentiates uh, itself you know from other dfis and and commercial banks right so now I just want to come back to some of the issues that I think you are very passionate about, uh, being um, a woman leading a very important institution in our country. You know, the whole thing about the role of women in, in, in both, you know, um, why does it matter for an organization like the IDC uh, to ensure that there's quite a good representation and participation of women, you know, at a board level? It's absolutely critical. Um, first of all, women are just over 50% of our oh, population. Or 51%. I think the, the census gives us those numbers. Thank you so much. Yeah, the recently released uh, 2022 census. So, Togozani, which economy will survive if 51% of your Population, population of your intellectual capital, of your workforce, of your commitment is left out of the equation. And we have the fortune at the moment that the IDC board is actually majority women. 
not just because our shareholder representative wanted to appoint women, but because the expertise yes. was fortunately found in those apples. So just on a merit basis, I think it is important that we look at the opportunity set that the country has, that the economy has. South Africa, let me say, because right from 1994, set out on a path to ensure that there are um, requirements for women representation. I must say that our political sphere was able to achieve this much quicker because of their determination um, to do so. Business has been lagging behind. But because these were requirements that we had um, written down in law, in black and white, yes. our economy is ahead of other countries, including developed countries, yes. insofar as representation of women, black people, on boards is concerned. Where we now need to pivot and focus um, is on ensuring that young people are brought onto the boards sooner rather than later. Because without that diversity, the strategic uh, direction of the business is so much the poorer because you do not have the input from a diverse base, from a diverse perspective that will enrich your conversations, that will enrich how you interrogate issues, and that will enrich how you craft the way forward. And I am very hopeful that in the next cycle of appointments, of course, we do have a, an okay range of um, age representation mm -hmm. on our board, but I think it could improve. We did lose some of the young people, very unfortunately, but I believe that it will um, improve going forward. So it's important to bring women on board because it just makes sense yep, to take advantage sense, yes. of that 51% uh, of our population. It makes sense to bring the intellectual power. It yes. makes sense to bring the perspective yes. that women bring on board. But we mustn't miss the opportunity to ensure that there is youth representation at every opportunity that we have. And that's something that I will be campaigning for going forward. Definitely an important, you know, campaign there. Uh, we wish you all the best. But maybe just coming back to, you know, barriers and, and challenges to, to success. What are some of those barriers that you have come across and how did you sort of like, you know, navigate some of the challenges? A lot of South Africans, you know, broadly speak about challenges in participating in state-owned entities, but, you know, because of poor governance in some of them, uh, issues that now and then, you know, that might relate to corruption as well. Let's let's be honest, we also do face some of those particular challenges. Um, I know the IDC hasn't faced, you know, some of those challenges, to be honest. Um, but for you, what are some of those barriers and challenges that you have also, you know, come across as the board chairperson of the IDC? And how did you navigate some of those particular challenges? So, Tokozanik, um, IDC is not immune to the situation in the country. Yeah. But what has happened is where any sign of corruption rears its head, the collective has come down like a sledgehammer. So it's not as though there haven't been attempts. Okay. We were um, mentioned, for example, for having funded uh, Obey Resources, okay. which was yes, one yes, of yes. Um, the Gupta companies. Yes. What we thankfully found was that there was nothing untoward done by the IDC. However, for the misrepresentations that were made by others, we made sure that we went after uh, them with the full might of the law behind us. So the environment is, is one that is, of course, challenging and very limiting. And it saddens me because the most capable people do not want to be tainted um, by what seems to be pervasive 
corruption in the state-owned entities. And therefore, you know, we may sometimes not be able to get the best of us operating in these entities, but we need to turn this around. I would urge, um, you know, people with the requisite skills, skills, with the requisite attitude and with the commitment, commitment to the country yes, yeah. to please avail yourselves for the opportunities to serve the taxpayer yes. of South Africa and redeem us from what may seem to be a bottomless pit. And it would it will be a bottomless pit if we are not there to change that trajectory. So yes, corruption is a challenge. The lack of um commitment to integrity is another challenge. So people, you know, birds of a flock, of course, keep together. And I'm so pleased that at the IDC, because of the culture of the organization, the commitment across the board to integrity, I believe that we've been able to attract people who are committed to the mandate of the IDC and committed to executing on the mandate in a manner that is honest and that is serving the country rather than demonstrating commitment to the individual and self-enrichment or anything of that sort. I am also concerned that unless we're able to turn the economy around, we will continue to see the state-owned entities floundering. And to change that, we as state-owned entities need to now hold hands together and partner in ensuring that we are making the difference that is needed in this country. country. Having said that, we as the IDC have now decided to reach out to our counterparts in the other state-owned entities to find opportunities for collaboration, find opportunities for us to move the needle faster than perhaps we can as individual state-owned entities executing on our mandate. And then there are the interpersonal... Look, the churn that one sees either at executive level or at board level, level in the state-owned entities, does not bode well. Yes. I'm afraid that we as uh, the IDC have also not been immune to that. I'm concerned that our team's turnover rate seems to have increased Hi. in the recent past. Though there are green shoots down the line because some of the people who leave do come back after yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. But I would rather we retain them in the business. And this is something that we are paying keen attention to, to understand what it is that it is making our people unsettled because the turnover leads to an unsettled environment that is not conducive to operating optimally. Again, visionary leadership. I really like that proposal of collaborating with the with other state-owned entities, you know, so that because you're thinking out of the box, to be honest, how do you assist with transnet-related issues? And especially you spoke about freight and logistics, you know, opportunities as well. So that that should be quite exciting. So as we move towards the end of our interview, what will be that one advice or tip that you'll have for someone who aspires, you know, to be a board member, not just in terms of state-owned companies, you know, but it can be JSE-listed companies. What is that advice, you know, for you that you can have for our listener? Let's leave aside now, you know, the potential clients for the IDC, people who are looking for funding. Just from your role as the board chairperson, what would be that advice for a young South African, you know, who aspire to participate in, in, in boards? So my advice would be deepen your expertise. Board service is actually service. It's not a gig. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a job. Yeah. It is service. And um, to serve is by bringing something onto the table. So it's very important that we 
deepen our expertise, our knowledge, stay informed all the time on what is happening. Secondly, I would say develop the ability to connect the dots because that enables, that fosters input that will move the conversations forward rather than input for the sake of input. So you don't come to a board to just say, I know this and I'll put it on the table whether it makes sense to the conversation or not. Connect the dots and put input on the table that um, actually moves things forward. And then my last um, recommendation would be network. It's very important, important to get out there, interface with people, have conversations with people. I may not seem so, but I am naturally on the shy side of things. And I was assisted by um, somebody at a much earlier stage of my career who said to me, attend the events, uh, look for events that are not necessarily in your area of expertise and do attend them. And the trick is that when you get to the room, look for the next person that looks as uncomfortable as you are and approach them for a conversation. That's another point of a network that you will have created. And board leadership is about also having the network so that one has the support, one has the ability to reach out for information and therefore is able to bring onto the table an enriched tapestry of contribution to the board. Of course, preparing all the time, part of bringing your best game to the, the table. Yeah, and and I guess maybe then linking your inputs to you know mentorship and 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 business coaching becomes quite important as well, because I guess most successful leaders, whether it's CEOs of the five hundred Fortune companies, you'll get a sense that at some point they had a mentor, someone who was assisting them, you know, to navigate um, the leadership space so that they can become good leaders. Will you agree? Actually, at every point, I still have. Mentors at your level, at, <laughs> That's at <amazing>. my age, <laughs> yeah. And um, I often look even at people much senior than I and say to myself, I mean, if the, I'm sure the president has good advisors around him, so one needs that mentorship every single point of your life, especially where you still want to improve. And I know for a fact that there are many areas that I still need to improve in. Oh, that's so powerful and humbling to hear that from you. Then the last one, uh, Sisbus, if I'm correct, the IDC had turned 83 years this year, right? So was it established in 1940? Um, what is that one proud thing, you know, that you always talk about when you talk about the IDC as the board chairperson um, in terms of this particular term of the board? What is that one thing that... You always look back and say, you know what, that makes me proud, you know. Uh, 83 years down the line, um, this is what we are still doing and contributing to our country. That one thing. Governance. Okay. I believe that without the very strong governance framework that we have, where we respect the role of management, we respect the role of the board, we respect the role of the shareholder, we wouldn't be able to perform at the level that we are performing in. So governance has been very, very important for our organization. And I believe that we have developed a foundation that will ensure that this organization survives for another 83 years. Wow, thank you so much. And you are the champion of governance in this institution. So thank you so much, Sisbusi, for really sharing your insight, your experience, you know, both in terms of governance in matters, as well as, you know, just touching briefly um, around some of the good work that the IDC is doing. Obviously, we wanted to strike a balance because you're not the CEO. We don't want to go to the operations of, you know, the entity. Uh, but at a strategic level, I think you have shared with our listeners, but most importantly on the governance issues and the role of the board 
Um, our listeners definitely have so many takeaways, you know, from this particular interview. But personally, I also want to say thank you so much for what you do for our country and our economy. You know, our country needs leaders like yourselves. And as you also said, obviously opening space, you know, for younger people, South Africans, to come in and also make a meaningful contribution in taking our country forward. There are a lot of challenges that we face as a country, but there are also a lot of opportunities as well. And we will make this country a better country, not only in Africa, but in the rest of the world. So thank you so much for granting us, you know, this opportunity to talk to you. I wish we could go on and chat about other things, but hopefully we'll have the opportunity to also just engage with you um, on the other roles and 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 your contribution broadly to this country. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Togazani. I've really enjoyed the chat. Thank you so much. Thank you.